Choose Love friends. My name is Scarlett Lewis, and I'm the founder of the Jesse Lewis Choose Love Movement. Our goal is to provide you with the skills, tools, and attitudes, actually called essential life skills, that you need to flourish in your life. And we are so happy that you're here today. Thank you so much for joining us. Welcome. We are going to have a lot of fun with a very special guest whose name is Corrine Coppola. And I'm gonna read just a little bit about Corrine. We're so excited. Um, With over 25 years in business and leadership roles in the public and private sector, coupled with her master's in organizational development, Corrine understands what is needed to help people reprogram their emotional and behavioral patterns to make positive changes using holistic perspective. I slowed down because that's really important. Corrine specializes in working with those affected by anxiety, depression, substance abuse, and PTSD. And I think that that talks to just about all of us. We've been impacted by at least one or more, maybe even all of those things. So we are going to get a lot out of today. Thank you so much for being with us, Corrine. Thank you so much for having me, Scarlett. It's such an honor and a privilege to be here with you. Well, I, you know, when you look at your website, which is CorrineCoppola.com, you start out right away talking about building resilience for life for adults young adults and teens. And it's so funny when I was doing a little bit of research to prepare for this podcast, then I started uh, uh, reading through and it just so resonated with me, maximize connection, communication, and contentment. Um, Are you overwhelmed and stressed by the uncertainty (laughs) of life during and after COVID? Are you sheltered in place and feel like you don't have connection and communication? Are you surrounded by family and feel alone and distant? Are you worried about your teen or young adult's future? (laughs) Yes, all of those things. Um, So I love that you're here and I love that you're going to share with our audience because I know that uh, if you're a human being, you are concerned about where we are right now during the middle of a global pandemic Uh, Not to mention the social unrest, the uncertainty of the future, even though I will say our future was never certain, but now we really know it. And, um, and, you know, all the stuff going on in the financial markets and just almost everything seems a little topsy turvy. And so what a perfect time to have this podcast and just kind of bring us back to uh, uh, what we can control and, and the fact that you know, we can grow our resilience, but maybe you could help us do that a little bit through this podcast. Sure. I'm happy to, to try. Yeah, because we're all, we're all there now. And I'm sure that you get a lot of parents, uh, and especially teens, um, looking to you for guidance. Uh, I know that, you know, the, the statistics, that I research and then put into my presentations that I give, well, now virtually all over the country, Mm -hmm. um, um, show that our teens 
are suffering. They are. They're in pain. Yes. Big time. And, um, you know, right now there's a lot of projection around the pandemic that's going to happen or that's happening right now around substance abuse and suicide and how important it is, especially for the developing brain of the teen. You know, they have lost as a population, we all have lost that ability for social connection. However, it's so key for their development to have that social connection. So trying to bridge that gap right now in terms of, okay, so how do I connect socially? That's so vital to you know, their mental health. How do, how, do, how do we help them as adults connect socially via a virtual world now? So making that shift um, can be quite cumbersome and overwhelming to um, families and also to the to the teen population, you know, because even though the screens have taken over their lives, right? Um, and ours. And ours, and right? ours. But um, <laughs> there was, there's still that element that they got from being in school with one another. And yeah. just all the stuff that happened in the hallways, by the lockers, you know, the, the um, passive socialization that even happens. Now they don't have that. They don't have these intimate groups and and ability to just you know connect with each other. And one of the things that that I have found, I teach. I'm an adjunct at George Washington University in the School of Public Health, teaching meditation there. And I have 26 young adults in my class, and it's pass fail. So one of the requirements I have is, you know, when you show up, you're going to have to have your screen on because that's the way that I know that you're present. You don't have to look at the screen. You can look away. But one of the things that I have been struck is like they are showing up two hours a week, you know, on Monday and Wednesday morning for their souls to be fed because it's not just that I'm teaching them meditation. I'm also doing breakout groups with them that, you know, they ask asking questions like, okay, what's your rosebud and thorn for the week? What was your high? What was your low? What are you looking forward to? Or, you know, if you had a theme song for your life, what would it be? What have you learned about, um, what was the best birthday gift you got? What was the worst birthday gift? You know, just this, this informal way of connection that I think they're really so longing for. And to be reminded of, you know, who they are as a human being, you know, like, oh, we're human beings, not human doings, you know, um, and just coming back into connection with themselves. I love that. Um, so true. And, and such a good reminder of where we are right now. And if you think about, though, where we are when we went into this pandemic, and so we we had those shelter in place orders and we became isolated we were, we were having the, if you want to talk about suicide, that epidemic was already in place. Teen suicides have been increasing for the last 15 years. In fact, when we went into uh, the, uh, the, the isolation, we, we were at an all time high and suicides amongst our youth were getting younger and younger. And and, and, it, and I believe and I agree with you that it is all about connection. Um, and 
that part of the problem is that with suicide, it's so interesting, Kareen, I've been doing research on this article on suicide for teens. And it's all I've been able to talk about because I, just what I've uncovered is, is just, it's, it's shocking. And so when I'm, when I'm Googling, like, uh, how do we handle teen suicide? It's like, educate yourself or your, or make sure your parents or your educators are educated about the signs to look for. So you know what the signs are. If you see the signs, then get your teen help. And there's a huge gap there that I think that we're really missing. And that's addressing, uh, or at least giving the kids the skills and tools they need to manage their difficulty, discomfort, and pain so that they don't get to a point where they think the only way out is to take their lives. Right. Scarlett, you just hit the nail on the head with me and the reason why I do the work I do. So in 2013, my daughter, who is now 22 years old, um, was attending a high school in Northern Virginia where we live that was a suicide cluster. It was literally diagnosed by the CDC, CDC as a suicide cluster. There were seven lives taken within um, two, two years. And Ugh. I got a call from her um, you know, during the school day and she said, mom, you have to come pick me up. And I why? What happened? She said, well, there was a suicide. And I thought to myself, okay, did it, I said, did it happen in the school? And no, it didn't happen in the school. So, um, but you have to come pick me up. So what they had done is that they had announced the suicide over the loud, over the PA system. Talk about trauma, right? And um, Mm. so they, they announced it over the PA system because, and the principal made the best decision he could with the information he had at the time. There was no protocol. I don't, you know, blame him at all. But um, what happened was then because he wanted to prevent any false stories getting out because there was a lot of social media out about it. So when I walked in that school to pick her up, it was as if I walked into a funeral home. And so I thought I, I was devastated. And I said to myself, there has to be a way that these young people have to understand that they don't have to believe the story running in their minds. And so, as you mentioned, like I have this holistic perspective, all these different modalities that I've gained over the years. And I got fierce about bringing mindfulness into the schools before it was a thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. knowing full well that absolutely there is a place for medication. There's absolutely a place for medication. Um, and in conjunction, what other methods can we use to allow them to be present with difficulty and not make an eternal decision with a momentary feeling, you know? And so really, um, I joined forces with a local startup nonprofit and brought mindfulness, I worked with them for four years, brought mindfulness into the schools in Northern Virginia. And then that um, then translated into more work that I've done with a key organization called Our Minds Matter that's based here in Northern Virginia, but we do programs throughout the United States focused on teen mental health. And it's um, student-run clubs where we're educating 
one another. The teens are educating one another, just like we take care of our physical health by, you know, eating right, getting sleep, exercising. We have to pay the same kind of attention to our mental health. So I have helped ever since the pandemic. Well, I've worked with them for a number of years, but over the pandemic, I've had a more prominent role with them almost in weekly meetings because everything went virtual. Um, you know, talking about resilience skills, how do we build resilience, doing some mindfulness work with the young people. Um, and it's really been such a gift to me because when when anyone, but particularly a young person, understands like, oh, there's a new there's a place of like neutrality. Like as as Viktor Frankl, like one of my favorite quotes, a lot of, you know, um mindfulness teachers use this quote is like between stimulus and response, there's a space. And in that space where we pause is our freedom to choose. So, you know, really creating, oh, I don't have to believe everything that I think, that it's just a thought and that I can shift my attention and I can do something about my, you know, current situation. And my emotion, it really only lasts 60 to 90 seconds. Wow. You know, um, and how do we surf the waves rather than being taken over by them? So, yeah. Oof. Well, so just so you know, that Viktor Frankl quote is in every single presentation that I give. And it is one of the, the foundations of what we teach mm -hmm. is that. We translate it like this. You can't always choose what happens. Right. To you. Right. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. But we can take our personal power back in how we choose to thoughtfully respond. Right. Absolutely. Because that's where your freedom is, is in the response. And it's a process. It's like, you know, I was on, I was on a call this, this morning with a young person and, you know, I said to her, you're not going to go out and run a five miler when all you've been running is all you can run right now is a half mile. You're not going to do that. It's going to take practice. And it's the same with mindfulness or any skill, right? It's like, oh, we're not going to cross the finish line. We're not going to, you know, one of the things that I always talk about is it, mindfulness is not always like this manna from heaven. It's, it doesn't, um, like create calm all of the time. Like you feel better. Yeah, you feel your anger better. You feel your happiness better. You feel your sadness better. And I think a good way to think about that is like, sometimes we say, I am angry, mm. right? You mm -hmm. know, those, we, we teach positive affirmations. So those I am statements are so powerful. And, and the bottom <clears throat> line is you aren't anger. You are feeling angry. Uh, and this is one of the things that we teach in our program. I feel angry. And so right. what is that emotion? And it's, it's a perfectly fine emotion. It's, it's teach, it's telling you something. What is it telling you? So turning that anger into possibly even curiosity, when you feel mm -hmm. that coming on, especially by the way, today, when we're so divided over our political views and things like that, if you feel yourself getting angry, Remind yourself to maybe shift in, if you can, if you want to, into curiosity. 
and think, and think, why, why is that impacting me like that? What is it telling me about myself? I wonder why that person is thinking and feeling and doing what they are. Right, right. Exactly. Like the curiosity is so key, this, this curiosity and then kindness, which I know you're all about kindness. And if we find the kindness for ourselves, there's no way we are being kind to someone else. So that, that element of curiosity is so key. Like being curious, like you would a best friend, like, hey, wow, I, I see that you're really angry right now, that you're feeling really angry. I wonder what that's about. And we sit with that anger and investigate it. You know, Tara Brock, Michelle McDonald talk about, you know, method. Recognize, allow, investigate, and then nurture. What storyline am I believing right now about myself or about the other person? And then what am I needing? What am I needing right now? Like it's, it's really sort of this, this process of reparenting as an adult, you know, reparenting ourselves. Because oftentimes the things that we're experiencing as adults, the anger or the frustration, you know, really there's so much rage right now. It's like beyond anger, right? Just, just rage. And what we see is like so much blame and it's really, it's so detrimental on so many levels. And I love what um, Dr. Edith Edger, Edger says um, about like finding the bigot in ourselves. Like, like how can we be curious about where our prejudices are? You know, how can we be curious about where our hate lives? Because if our hate lives outside of us, it's got to be in me too. You know. She actually says there's a Nazi in each one of us. Mm. Yeah. And I think yeah, that that's, 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 that's a big pill to swallow, right? Yeah, it is. Cause immediately you want to think, are you kidding me? Not in right. me. For sure. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Not me. Not me. That's not me. Yet it is, it's gotta be somewhere, you know, but in a, in a loving, like, like, it's okay, it, because maybe it's the two-year-old self that is feeling, you know, really neglected or hurt or abused in some way. Like, what do we say? Like, when it's hysterical, it's historical, ah, right? Wow. So, so it's just really, like, can we be with whatever is arising? And no matter what, so that we can have this complete experience of self-acceptance. Because when we have that experience of self-acceptance, we will be a lot less miserable. That's all I have, you know, because when, when we push away the, the anger, when we push away the sadness, like it gets worse and, you know, the, it just gets worse. So the more that we contend and just let things sort of pass through and surf the waves, it can be a little bit better. And, you know, I'm listening to you and I'm thinking... This is not, well, this is pretty simple stuff, you know? I mean, it's not really rocket science, but it takes, first of all, you have to have awareness mm -hmm. of it because if you don't, you don't know how to practice it. Right. And then you have to 
you have to put some effort into it. You have to right. want to get to the other side, want to get better. And, uh, and, and, and this is literally the path to flourishing. Do you agree? You hit such a nail on the head because these practices are simple, but not easy. Yes. Not easy. And if you don't, if you're not taught this stuff, you just simply don't know it. And I, and I can say it from a personal point of view, because I just really became aware of all of this when I was 44 years old and I was mm -hmm. researching a solution to what happened uh, at Sandy Hook. And it mm. brought me here. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's like uh, all the time I say to people, well, how many times have you been told in your life to pay attention? And then tell me when you, how to pay attention. Uh. When have you ever been taught? And you know, people look at me like with this blank stare, like, oh my gosh, that is so simple, but it's so true, right? We yeah. say, just pay attention, pay attention. Nobody's taught us how to pay attention. And so we start simply, you know, it's just teaching people the anchors, like the anchor of sound. Like just listen to the sounds that are happening around you right now. Notice what you notice. So that the sound is one of the most neutral anchors where you can rest your attention. And this whole idea of rest. You know, it is so important. I use that language a lot, like rest your attention on your belly or rest your attention on your shoulders. Just rest. This idea of rest, especially right now in the pandemic. Thanks for listening to the Choose Love podcast. Our positive, empowering messaging is reaching millions of people all over the planet. You could be part of the solution, too. We have sponsorship opportunities available that help support us and enable you to share in helping create a safer, more peaceful, and loving world. Contact me on our website, chooselovemovement.org. You know, one of the young people um, in the Our Minds Matter workshop last week had talked about how she still is not feeling like she's getting things done. And this is still true. I think we, we are like, okay, we're six months into it. We should be used to this by now. There's that word should, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Don't mm -hmm. should all over yourself. Ah. And, and <laughs> it really, really, we have, it's out just resting our attention just for a few moments, just for a few breaths in with yourself. Oh, how am I feeling right now? Understanding that our emotions are like the weather that it constantly changes. So oftentimes I'll use as like a check-in, like how's your weather system doing? How would you describe your weather system? Because it's also a place of neutrality, right? Because people often say, well, I'm fine. I'm good. I'm okay. But if you get an answer like cloudy day, sun's on the horizon, or if it's a cloudy day and there's a storm brewing, like maybe a hurricane, there's a difference in what those people are experiencing in that moment. Right. So and, and they might have answered, oh, OK, so it's really like a, a window to really uh, and getting to know ourselves a little bit better and, and accepting like, oh, right, the storm's happening and the storm will pass. It's not always going to be like this. But when you're a young person with a frontal lobe that's not developed and they don't have the experience that 
the adults in the room do, they feel like this is going to be the way it is forever. I, I think you, you hit on something you said, you know, and we say this all the time to each other, almost as, uh, you know, in passing, how are you? How right. are you? And if I said, uh, you know, I probably did say it when we started this conversation. Well, how are you? You said, okay, um, you don't, you don't really think that I, I mean, Corrine, how are you? You know, right. what's, what, right. you know, you think I'm, you know, and I think our kids know that too. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I think about JT, my son who mm-hmm. went back to school after, uh, after the tragedy. And I encouraged the teachers who, who didn't ask him how he was doing because they were afraid Mm -hmm. that if they asked him, he would say, I'm not doing okay. And that, and that they wouldn't have the skills and tools that he needed. And, and so I've, you know, I've learned so much since that time, Mm -hmm. but, you know, talking with them, I said, no, first of all, First of all, you know, he will never say that he's not anything but okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I right, right. guarantee you that. Right. Okay. Right. Um, right. But if you ask, hey, how you doing? He's going to say, okay. Then ask again. Mm-hmm. No, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. And, and I guarantee you that he will say, okay, but he will know that, that you, you are, you have the courage right to be present where he is and that, yeah, that you care. And And that's a big deal. I I love the C word courage. And that's what, you know, the practice of mindfulness is all about courage. Like, do we have the courage to be vulnerable with ourselves and another human? So oftentimes, you know, I have, I have friends all across the spectrum, right? But they, all of them know, you know, a lot of my friends actually, do not practice mindfulness and are not practitioners. And I mean, I had a good friend say to me this past week, you know, I always think that you're so Zen and then you say something that's so human and I remember who you are, like, you know, so, yeah. um, but the, the, one of the questions that I'll ask my friends are, you know, what is the state of your heart? How is the state of your heart today? Mm. And, and just because, you know, how are you doing really? And it's also another question that I talk about in my classes is, you know, how are you doing really? And and why, why do we say fine? Why do we say that? What is your motivation? And it's all across the spectrum, you know, because people maybe I don't want to burden anyone, right? Mm -hmm. I don't want, um, I don't really believe that they really want to hear what I have to say. I don't, I don't want to take up their time. And then sometimes it's also, I don't really know how I feel. So I'm just going to say, okay, right. Mm. We're we're so out of touch and that's okay too. Right. It's okay. Like, I don't really know how I'm doing today. Okay. Cause we always give the, the young people the ability to pass. Like you don't have to say anything. You can just Mm -hmm. show up and and be who you are Mm -hmm. and not participate and just observe. And Wow, you know, I think the 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 biggest gift that we because you had asked about this a little bit is like the freedom to be themselves, right? And how do we not impose 
our picture of who we think they are, even when we're the most well-meaning of parents, I, myself included, right? Because I have this perspective on my three children who are now 17, 19, and 22 of who they are in the world. But I really, I don't have any idea all the time. You know, we show up as, as different people to different different audiences, not on purpose, it's just what happens, right? Even if we're our most authentic selves, I'm going to show up differently with you than I am maybe one of my college girlfriends, right? Um, so it's just, it's just, you know, the, the can we be curious? And I, I'm also, you know, this, this whole idea of active listening, like noticing when, because we don't also right now, some, we have the, we used to have the platform of being in the car with them, right? But right now we're not driving them to those activities. So, Good point. so how can cre we create that space of more safety for conversation to happen without projecting our own fear onto our kids? You know, right now. But that's it right now. That's, that's the golden question. How do we do that? Because even if you're not saying that you have fear, mm -hmm. even if it's manifesting in a different way, and you may not even recognize it as fear, <laughs> how, how do, how, how do we not project that onto our kids? Because our kids aren't just listening to what we say and communication is only 40% right. of, of verbal, right. but the rest of it is, is, is energy. It's everything that we do. And, and, and how do we model being courageous, being present, practicing mindfulness for our kids? How, I think that is the golden question. Yeah. And it's, so it's really taking a pause and owning your stuff. So if you, when I say that, it's speaking in age-appropriate language to your children. Like, hey, I'm having a rough day today. Like, mm. you know, I missed a deadline or someone missed a deadline making me, you know, um, later than I wanted to be on this project. And I'm, I'm just feeling sort of down about it. And it has nothing to do with you. So you might feel, you might sense some frustration on my part and it has nothing to do with you. And this is what I'm going to do to take care of myself today. Because mm. the child comes into the room at whatever age, senses, I mean, we've all had that experience. Like we know on a, on a sensory level because of mirror neurons and other things that are happening, like just like you said, the, the energy, we sense if someone is having a good day or having a bad mm -hmm. day. And so as a child or even as another adult, you're walking into the room with another adult and you think you've done something wrong. So then that child takes, when you say, when you discount how you're feeling, when you don't name how you're feeling and you say, oh no, I'm good, everything's okay. That child then goes down the hallway and argues with its sibling with their um, friend or sends an nasty text or whatever it is because they're transferring what you didn't take care of. And because we're scared because we don't want to impose our stuff. But if you say it, if you acknowledge it, you're not giving it to them to take care of. You're saying it and you're saying, I can take care of myself. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go for a walk or I'm going to, you know, color, what, whatever it is to take care of yourself. Right. But I've got this. I can take care of myself. 
And then they walk out. Okay, mom's got this. And then they have their own permission to feel angry or frustrated or guilty or whatever it is. Because the more we speak to it, the more emotional um, permission, like um, Dr. Mark Brackett, his book, Permission to Feel, right? We have mm-hmm. to give, and everything around social emotional learning, we have to give our children the permission to feel. It's like naming it to exactly. tame it. Name it to tame exactly. it, right? Name it to tame it. Yeah. You just have to name the elephant in the room. Like it's, it's sort of, you know, I do this other exercise, like the purple elephant. Like think about a purple elephant, think about a purple elephant, think about a purple elephant, what would it look like? And I have this slide up on the webinar and, um, and I say to them, okay, now whatever you do, close your eyes and do not think of the purple elephant. Do whatever you can not to think about the purple elephant. The point is, is that our mind goes to exactly the thing that we don't want to think about, right? And it's natural, like we all have these thoughts that we're like, God, I just wish that would go away. Why is it nagging? Well, 80% of our thoughts are negative and then 80% of them are repetitive. It's like this hamster wheel of negativity. So how do we just press the pause button is by saying, oh, there's the purple elephant. Oh, there it is, the rain method. Like, oh, I'm feeling tight in my chest or butterflies in my stomach. That means that I'm feeling a little anxious. Hmm, what am I believing? You know, just like this whole um, method of investigation, but with this kindness and curiosity. And we're teaching, as you know, by modeling, because it's not like with the children, again, doesn't matter what age the, the child is, whether they're two or 22, they are watching us like hawks. So this yes. whole this whole idea of self-care, everybody's like, oh, self-care, self-care. Self-care, a critical part of self-care is awareness. Like, what am I needing right now? Like, you know, when I was growing up and I was being taught to drive, it was drilled into me. Do not go below a quarter of a tank. Do not go below a quarter of a tank. This was before cell phones, right? Like my parents were, don't run out of gas, you're female, you know, God only knows what it happened, you know. So now I've gotten into the habit, I rarely, that fuel, it really doesn't come up. So if, if you're going through your day, like when you're waking up middle of the day, like checking in with yourself, how's my tank doing? It can't go below a quarter of a tank. If it goes below a half a tank, you need to know, like, where can I have five minutes to myself? You Self-care is about like, knowing what you need and when you need it, you know, because maybe you need to listen to a favorite song. Maybe you need to move your body a little bit. Maybe you need to take 10 deep breaths, whatever it is, just to give yourself that space, that, that space of of freedom, you know, what Victor Frankl talks about and you talk about like, so that you have the choice to respond. And when you're doing that, you're teaching your kids to do that for themselves. Exactly. Exactly. You're giving them permission to feel. You're giving them permission. And we often think, yeah. especially as moms, you know, I just I just had a client yesterday um, and she adopted two two children. And, you know, this whole idea of like, 
you know, they already have these issues and, you know, I want to be able to meet their needs, but I've also got some work and, you know, there's not a lot of boundaries. Like there needs to be clear boundaries. You're actually by saying just me right now so that I can be present from three to three thirty. These are the times that you can get my full attention and I am going to be all in. Right. Because we go along with the sense of like guilt. Like I'm not giving them my all, but if it can only be 10 or 15 minutes or even five minutes of focused attention, that's better. That's better than 10 or 15 minutes of distracted attention. Right. Cause we all know what it feels like when somebody's really not present. Oh my gosh. And I think about myself when you say that and having uh, kids walk in the room and either working or uh, uh, trying to wrap up a text right, or an email right. while they're talking to me. Right. Right. And, and, and then, and then how I feel when I'm giving a presentation and somebody is on their phone mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. middle of it, or even virtually when they're looking down and they're clearly doing something else or, or worse, they just leave. <laughs> <laughs> well, it can't be anything about me. That's them. No. Um, but yeah, but being, being present because love is time. Mm-hmm. That is such a beautiful definition. Uh, and I know growing up, um, what JT would want. So we worked from a reward system, rewarding good behavior instead of punishing bad behavior. And so we had this little treat Mm. bucket and Mm. it was, you know, just little toys, whatever. Um, But the other option that he could have was time with Mm. me. And every single time, he would choose time with me. And that wasn't always an option. I was like, well, I we can't do that now. So, you know, this time you can do a treat and then, but every time he wanted time. And by the way, uh, you know, going full circle back to the power of being present in order to be able to thoughtfully respond to what's happening to us in our world. When you are present in the moment, here now with your kids, with the ones that you Mm -hmm. love, uh, where life is happening, by the way, it is the number one way to live your life with the fewest regrets. Amen. 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 You know, I think that we have, we have to do lists because we, you know, especially you, like you want to make this we want to make people who do this work want to make a big impact, right? And we want just so much goodness for others because we know it can be if people can live, you know, <clears throat> from a place of centeredness and a place of presence. However, I know for me, I need to recalibrate a lot. Like this morning, I said to myself, I'm going to take a 40 minute walk rather than just 20 minutes, because if I don't get my 20 minute bike ride in the afternoon, I'm going to regret not taking the 40 minutes in the morning. And I'm sure people are like, oh my gosh, great for her that she gets to take. But I've made that choice. I've made that choice because for me, I'm going to show up as a happier mom and a happier person and more energy. And so some things are going to have to slide on my to-do list until next week or maybe over the weekend. You know, it, it's, it's all about like 
hey, I am the most important person right now because honestly, and this happens, you know, whether you're um, a single mom, single dad, you know, single person raising a family, like the adult in the family is like North Star in terms of how that, um, how that family runs. It's just like the educators in the classroom. The classroom depends on the educator's well-being. So the well-being of the family is really depending on the well-being of the parents, you know, whether it's a two-parent household or a one-parent household. And so it's, it's vital. It's really, I, I can't say it enough because I've seen the difference in myself. Now, I've been doing these practices for years, you know. And I've seen a progression of what's really important. What is the one thing, like in the morning when you wake up, what is the one thing I need to get done today? The one thing. And when you whittle it down like that, it does become easier because then you have more space. I mean, Scarlett, I'm just going to say this. I hadn't taken a vacation for a few years. And circumstances, that sort of thing, whatever, right? And then a lovely friend loaned me her beach house. And I have to tell you, I did some work on this vacation. Do you know that I got five new clients when I was on vacation? And so this is what I'm saying. When we create space, when we Mm. create space, things then are allowed to come. Inspiration. Like you don't have time for creativity if you're not creating that space to just be, you know? Oh, I do. And that is a message directly for me. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't mean it that way. Because I'm struggling to find that time to walk every day. I love doing that. We've got a beautiful place here in Newtown Mm. to do it. And I take my two of my dogs. And, uh, but, you know, I think, uh, but I should... Right. There's the word. Be finishing up my article or yeah, yeah, I get it. It's, it's, you know, it's, it is a practice and you have to be kind to yourself. So kind because, you know, and maybe I would have felt that I I couldn't take the 40 minutes. They only take 20 minutes. And, you know, this means that I'll do some work over the weekend and that's okay. You know? It just making choices that are going to be, that are, that are right for you. And you're not going to know what those choices are unless you slow down, slow way down, rest, you know, I'm actually looking. So I printed out some pages from your website and I'm looking at um, these big words (laughs) that are on your website from chaos to Yes. And Scarlett, please don't misunderstand. (laughs) You know, I I don't want anyone to think I'm really zen. Like I said, you know, like zen all the time and life is good. Like, please, I'm a mom. Right. And so, but my serenity is so important and I have to make choices Mm -hmm. in terms of, do I respond to that text right now? Or do I wait for an hour? Mm-hmm. Do I put my phone on airplane mm-hmm. mode while I'm working on this project? You know, like my children are a little bit older, so it's it's different. But you have to create these spaces. Like where 
where can I create space for myself and, and really make priorities in, in your life? Like, like you said, you know, not living with regrets, you know? Yeah, that's, it's such an important message and we're so blessed to have you. And I'm hoping that you'll come back with us. I, it's such, again, such a privilege with you and to support the work that you're doing in this world and just the tremendous amount of love and heart and positivity that you put out, um, you know, just, it's like the butterfly effect, you know, just ripples out and out and out and out. So thank you so much for your message and the work you do in the world. Well, thank you so much. We want to love and support you as well. Today has been wonderful. I've learned so much. I know our audience has as well. Thank you for choosing love. And we will definitely have you back again because there's a lot more that uh, that we can do together and, and we can share together. Um, but I want to thank everybody for joining us as well uh, in our audience. And thank you for choosing love. And we will see you next time. Thank you. It's all part of us. We can all choose love. It'll lift you up if you let it in. Let the healing. Thanks for listening to the Choose Love podcast. Our positive, empowering messaging is reaching millions of people all over the planet. Join the worldwide movement to choose love. Our programming is in over 10,000 schools, homes, and communities across the country, in every state, and over 112 countries and counting. We're giving individuals of all ages the essential life skills they need to flourish. You can be part of the solution, too. We have sponsorship opportunities available that help support us and enable you to share in helping create a safer, more peaceful, and loving world. Contact me on our website, chooselovemovement.org.